Hello and welcome back to the PetSap podcast. I'm your host, Tom Jenkins, co-founder of PetSap. And today I'm joined by Melanie O'Donoghue. Melanie is a registered veterinary nurse who spent five years as a business support coordinator at Bayer and now has her own practice development consultancy called VetAssist, ready to help with practice design and layout, team training and marketing. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much for inviting me on. I appreciate you joining us. And you're joining us from Ireland. And that's exciting because we only recently launched PetsApp in Ireland. And it's been a really exciting time for us. Within our first week, we were up there uh, number six, I think it was, uh, in the uh, Apple App Store. And so it's been it's been really re- well received. It was brilliant to see it. I actually, I, I spotted your link on LinkedIn the other day. And um, I've, I've known about PetsApp for about the last year. And I uh, was really excited to see it enter into the Irish marketplace. So I think um, it's definitely got its place within practices over here. They've certainly seen some challenges over the last year. So, yeah, I think the timing is excellent to, to see the app launched here. That's, that's reassuring to hear. Appreciate it. So um, I wanted to talk to you today particularly about practice design. And that's a subject that you're particularly passionate about. Where, where does that passion come from? I think a, a, a long, de- deep-seated passion, really. Um, I have uh, I have an architect, an interior designer, and some engineers within the family. So it was always kind of um, in the background. My my path, my career path was veterinary, um, and I, I followed that career path approximately 31 years ago now. But in the back of my mind, I always liked the idea of how practices were laid out, design, and, and I suppose making sure that they were fit for purpose, because... Naturally enough, when I started out um, in the early 90s, practices were really probably just buildings or houses that were more or less just converted. As practices got busier, they became a veterinary practice and, and rooms just kind of formed into rooms without any maybe thought or forethought into into their actual layout or their or whether they were fit for purpose. So I suppose it started a long time ago, but I, I only started the business back in um, 2003. And to date, I have approximately um, just over 100 practices done now uh, in the Republic of Ireland. Wow. Wow, that's incredible work. And I, I'm an avid follower of the uh, Vets Day Go Diversify community. And I think one of the coolest things about that is seeing these intersection of people's passions. Like that you, you, Obviously, we all share the common passion of animals, you know, and animal welfare and advocating for that. And then you see this, the, the, the intersection of another passion like for you, architecture. Somewhat counterintuitively, given the chir- turbulent times, there does seem to be a recent increase in new clinic openings, you know, people wanting to, to open their own new clinic. For someone that's, I guess, relaunched um, their business during the pandemic, would you recommend it? What, what advice would you have? Have a good accountant <laughs> and put together a really, really good business plan. So know exactly what you want. Um, I agree there's there's certainly been um, uh, um, an increase in practices over here. I, that's what partly spur, um, uh, spurred me to, to kickstart the business again. Um, practices are, are developing what they currently have. Um, the pandemic, pandemic has probably um, shown them how they maybe don't have a good flow within their practice. I mean, literally over, over overnight last March, um, the front door was closed in a, in a lot of practices due to lockdown. 
And that was huge challenges for the practice because suddenly now they couldn't open the doors and bring clients and their pets in. So how were they going to cope with this? Um, most practices would have, you know, uh, a limited number of, of consult rooms. So it was, you know, how are they going to get people in safely and out safely? So I think looking forward, we're going to have to look at, at, at the design and how we, um, how we actually design the layout of the front of house, you know, the reception area, retail area, consulting rooms and access um, for, for clients. But I think with the new technologies that we have now, um, such as Pets app, I think that's it. there's a perfect opportunity there now for our practitioners to start using video consulting. So we can, we can work the two together. So hopefully when, when things improve and we start being able to open the doors again and welcoming clients in, um, hopefully, you know, there's, there's a second option there. So there's two options. They can either come into the practice or they can actually uh, have a video consult. So I think the two really work well together. So for me as a designer, how I would kind of approach that is we look at how we, we develop the consulting rooms and how they're used but also maybe more office space or more um, pods within practices um, that, that would lend themselves to nice, quiet environments to be able to professionally do um, video calling um, with, us, with clients and pet owners. That makes a lot of sense. And we talk a lot about these blended online to offline, offline to online experiences. It's really interesting to hear you talk about how that impacts upon physical design. When someone is designing a new clinic, let's say in this case, it's purpose built. We don't have to worry about retrofitting a townhouse or, or whatever it might be. What's the number one mistake that you see being made? What's the number one cause of regret or, or designer's remorse? I suppose the fear sometimes of um, th- not thinking big enough. Um, you know, thinking for what they, they currently need and what's fit for their purpose now, instead of looking at 10, 15, 20 years down the line, you know, designing something that they can, they can actually work with and grow and evolve into. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things I come across where they're just, you know, terrified to go too big. So they might be looking at maybe a 2,000, 2,500 square unit when realistically there is busy small animal practice. You know, if you ask, if you sit down with them and go through sort of their business, plan and how they where they see themselves in 10 years time well straight away you'll see they probably need to double the amount of consulting space or the amount of floor space they're going for so you start encouraging them to look at bigger sized units so I think that probably is one of the biggest things it's not thinking big enough um so yeah I think that's probably the the biggest challenge it's interesting because you just you just touched on before about how closing the doors to the practice in the context of lockdown mm-hmm. has workflow consequences. And it's amazing how many of these self-imposed workflow consequences I've encountered in the in the clinics that I've managed and visited over the years. I remember one where the only way to get through to the prep area and through to theatre was through a consultation room. So if the consultation room was in use, you were bang out of luck. Um, is that the sort of thing you see commonly? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just just incorrect flow. And again, this happens with a lot of the older premises. With new premises, you know, we're spoiled because we can actually build it in. But actually planning regulations now anyway, um, you, you'd have to have um, specific corridors and for health, for health and safety and fire safety. But also as well, I mean, you know, over the last few years, we've been, become a lot more cognizant of our species-specific needs. 
So I uh, completed my fear free certificate there um, in 2019. So I would use that when I'm looking at practice design as well. So, you know, trying to divide out our species, you know, making sure that um, if need be, our species need to mix at all. So it's, you know, having a flow for cats and having a flow for dogs. So I think that's quite important as well. And that's probably only really in the last maybe four or five years that that really has has come to the forefront. But definitely, I think that's the way forward as well, because ultimately, if our patients coming into us are a lot more comfortable, well, then naturally our clients are too. So just again, it's back to building bonds with your client and making sure that you're providing the best service possible for your specific species. That's a great point. I'm glad you raised that because I've often wondered, are there compromises that we need to think about that we need to make? Um, Should we change the direction of compromise when we're thinking about human centered design versus animal centered design? Yeah, I mean, like, again, I mean, just even coming back to the consulting room, um, I suppose we've we've. Ultimately, we've we've always kind of laid out a consulting room um, for the practices needs. So standard consulting room, um, we have consulting table in it, you'll have a sink in the corner, very clinical and clean. But if we look at a species and what the species needs are, well, obviously that can be quite daunting for maybe a cat or a dog that's coming into that room. Um, You know, one, they're never allowed on the table at home. So it's completely alien to put them up on a table in a veterinary practice. So I think we're starting to see now that the actual layout of um, of the rooms is different. Um, so now we're working with like the yoga mats on the floor to examine dogs. You know, so it's, it's very simple things like that. But I mean, it just lends itself to um, making sure that our, our patients are a lot more comfortable comfortable coming into us so there is a little bit of thought behind it and it's a little bit strange for us you know we've we've practiced in in such a way and we've always done things in such a way so we're having to kind of challenge ourselves now to look at new ways of doing things but I mean look you know I think you know evolution is great and we always need to come up with new ideas and evolve Um, and in doing that we're helping our patients and we're helping ultimately helping our clients too definitely and if you can have, like you were saying in the beginning, pods, smaller booths for mm. your sort of virtual care consultations, maybe that frees up some space for your consultation rooms where you're going to do the physical examinations and allows for more creativity around, mm-hmm. you know, yoga mats on the floor and that sort of thing. I love what you said about the pet not jumping up on the table at home. <laughs> I, I, I think sometimes we're very familiar with the workflow an experience of veterinary care and we forget how alien and how strange that is both for the pet owner but also for our patients yeah it is I mean like I you know as I said I'm over 30 years within the profession and it is very challenging and I think as a profession we can be quite um cautious on how we change um, but like I said, the last year, I think, has has, has opened up a whole new uh, range of possibilities for us. Um, and like I said, digital platforms is, is a completely new uh, venture for a lot of practices, um, something they're not terribly comfortable with. But the more they see other practices using it and how they're getting on with it, they'll be more likely to try it and change and, and change and, and start using them. Yeah, I think we often assume that the pet owner is as familiar with the customer corridor, the veterinary care experience as we all are. 
but actually that experience can be quite unfamiliar and alienating and they're not sure what to expect. Are there any design tips on how to signpost the sort of flow for from a customer perspective? Um, well, I mean, I suppose what, what I have been doing lately, um, and this comes down to like marketing the practice, I've been encouraging practices to just do very short video snippets of an animal's Brilliant. journey through the practice. So the likes of when they are, because, you know, our pet owners are always anxious when they're dropping them off for um, routine procedures or even bigger procedures. So a really, really short video showing how the animal, once they go behind the, the, the double doors and they're gone into the, into the practice, what's going to happen, you know, how they're settled into their bed um, or into their kennel and um, the nursing care that they're given throughout the day and um, the whole process of their their pre-anesthetic checkup with pre-meds and pain relief even before they have the procedure. You know, small little things like this um, in just a short video, I think is very, very useful for a practice. And again, it might be a new client coming to the practice. They could be booking it in for a routine procedure. Um, and just a link could actually be sent to the, to the customer or to the client beforehand um, to show them what's going to happen that day so that they have kind of an understanding and what to expect for their pet for that day. And that can help again, you know, to, to make it as, as, as uh, you know, as stress-free as possible for the owner. For sure. I know that there are some practices that will send a welcome PDF, introductory video, mm -hmm. that sort of thing via mm -hmm. Pets app. That's a great idea. And you can imagine sort of attaching a, a, a GoPro to a patient and, and doing yeah. that patient perspective. I think that would be yeah. super smart. Great advice there, Melanie. Um, other than practice design, getting that design right, what are the other top considerations for someone looking to open either their first clinic or, or a, new, a new site? Well, what I always get practitioners to do is to sit down and do a wish list. Um, so, you know, what exactly, you know, are you looking for with the regulations we have in place here and um, the Veterinary Practice Act in 2005 made um, practice accreditation mandatory. So um, what I normally get them to do is to sit down and see exactly where are they going for clinic status, hospital status, and if so, what do they want? What specific services will they be um offering any referral, um, will they be doing um, uh, things like uh, hydrotherapy, physiotherapy, any other services they'll be offering. So write your full wish list. And then what I tend to do with them is we, we look at various different um, units, sizes. Um, I use a CAD program. So what I do is I try and interpret their design or I interpret their wish list into a working design for them. And it, because it's a 3D program, what I can do is I can actually give them a little walkthrough because it can be quite difficult and daunting to look at a 2D image and try and understand, yeah, you know, is that exactly what my consult room is going to look like or how big is my prep room? It's a busy room. Have I got enough for six people to work in? So they actually get to see it in a 3D format. And that's huge. Like that's really puts perspective on it for them. And they get to um, to see exactly what the practice could look like. So that's where I normally started them is to get them to do a wish list. Um, obviously, look at the regulations as well. So we have farm animal practices over here that would have retail units, so that could be a contributing factor. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, it's really starting with with the basics and taking it from there and um, coming up with it with the work and design that that specifically, I suppose, it's bespoke to what the the practice wants and what their needs are. And, and for those listeners wondering what what CAD means, uh, I believe it's computer aided design. Just a, just another uh, indeed, example sorry. of using technology to help us with our with our thinking, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and just lastly, with when you are retrofitting a building that wasn't, you know, built for that purpose, and mm-hmm. I've seen all kinds of buildings that you would never <laughs> expect to contain a veterinary clinic, but turns out they do. Um, are there any sort of creative tips for how best to solve those issues of, um, you know, sharp st- staircases that sharply turn corners and you're never going to get a dog up there and, and that sort of thing? I think getting a really, really good contractor on board who's going to give you more solutions than, than uh, you know, um, you know, to your problems. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, we're starting to look at uh, using uh, two-story buildings now more. So the use of lifts, be it a small kind of like a, almost like a bellboy, um, uh, small lift that you can just put pets into or be it full-size lifts, you know, that opens up the possibilities to using second stories. Um so, yeah, it can be difficult, but I think we, we are starting to see more and more um, units that are being um, uh, converted now as opposed to sort of old houses. Um, but there's, there's so much that can be done now. I mean, you know, building work and, uh, has, has come on an awful lot. So there's a huge amount of changes can be done within a building. Um, walls, I suppose, that you previously thought you could never take out before. You know, you can now. So... There, there's a lot of changes that can be made um, when you're retrofitting out. I think storage is another thing as well. It's trying to be clever with your storage solutions and ideas as well. And sometimes that's what happens with retrofitted premises is they just literally run out of space and they just don't have enough storage. Um, this sounds this sounds painfully familiar as <laughs> someone with uh, three children under the age of five in a London flat. Storage <laughs> is the problem. But um, definitely agree with what you're saying there. You see so many practices just accept these bottlenecks in their workplace, yeah. accept these encumbrances, when really with the right advice, with the right creative problem-solving approach, it could work so much better for them, their team, uh, their patient and their clients. Absolutely. Moving to more open plan um, where you would have a series of small rooms, definitely moving more open plan lends itself to the team just being happier and, and having a better environment to work in. Well, that's great. And I uh, really appreciate all your advice there, Melanie, and we look forward to having you back on again soon. Thank you very much, Tom, and the best of luck with Pets Up. <laughs>